So, today, you're here on a day for a first. So I've never preached a Palm Sunday message. Anybody know what a Palm Sunday message is? Well, I've never preached one. <laughs> he knows. Amen. <laughs> there we go, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to teach you, I, I'm going to preach you a message and teach you what Palm Sunday is. And um, Palm Sunday is not in the Bible, but we've created it, and it's actually a holiday that is today. Next Sunday is Easter, and today is Palm Sunday. But there's a lot of spiritual significance in what this represents. You know when you, next Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we'll all partake of communion. And, uh, you know, when we partake of communion, and, and, and in this place we have little cups with some type of drink, like a grape juice or whatever is in it, a little piece of bread. And um, we do that in remembrance of something else. There's no actual... There's, no, there's nothing that is going to jump out of the grape juice and get on you and transform your life. There's nothing in the piece of cracker itself, but it's what it represents. This next Sunday, uh, we have a water baptism, and we're going to baptize people in water. And, and you know, um, I was in Israel a couple of years ago, and I, I didn't bring any holy water back from Israel to put in that water so that it would make a difference when you were baptized. And I'm not making fun of it. I'm just telling you the absolute truth. There's, that Jordan River is nasty. I mean, it's just flat out nasty. I mean, I've lived around rivers all my life. In this town, in New Mexico, in Las Cruces, the Rio Grande River, and I'm telling you, those rivers are a whole lot prettier than the Jordan River. It's ugly and it's nasty. Right where Jesus was baptized was yucko. Best words I can use in church. Amen? Filthy. And uh, there's nothing in the Jordan River today that's going to transform your life. But when I went to the Jordan River and I stood there at the Jordan River, I wept. I wept. Something, there's something that's there in remembrance of what he did. You understand? And there's nothing holy about, quote, Palm Sunday. We named it that. But what Palm Sunday represents, there is a holy significance there that's going to transform your life today, and you'll be, different. you'll be different when you leave here than when you walked in this place because of the Word. Can you say amen? So, uh, look at Matthew 21. And honestly, I'm just going to kind of jump around in this message today because it's one of those jump around messages. Um, but man, there is some spiritual significance in this day. And someone says, well, you know, was it even this day? It doesn't matter. Was Jesus born on December 25th? Not. 
Was he born when it was cold? Probably not. Was he born when? Who knows? Some people say about June. Some people say in May. Some people say at other times, September. Uh, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. December the 25th is when we celebrate something that actually happened. Amen? And there's power in that day. So, was this the actual day that Jesus made his way to Jerusalem on his, my Bible heads it as his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I call it the beginning of the end. The title of my message today is the beginning of the end that created the new beginning. Amen? So is it? Maybe, maybe not, doesn't matter. It's in the Word, and there is some amazing significance in this day and this time. Chapter 21, and there'll be, there'll be three pictures go up here just behind me as I read this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent his two disciples. Go ahead and take that off and, and put up my first picture up there, if you would. Now, this is a picture I took from the top of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem when I was there. And that right there is a picture of the Eastern Gate. And there's two ladies from, two ladies from England that 25 years ago, no, let's see, it's 25, 30 some odd years ago. Just to the, from where I'm standing down to the bottom, to the right, there's a house on a piece of property that they bought, and they have a camera that's running 24-7 on the eastern gate for a picture of Jesus returning. From what some say that he's, this is where he will return at the eastern gate in, in Jerusalem. But we're not going to talk about that today. But that is a picture from the top of the Mount of Olives. Give me the next picture. There's a picture just a little bit over still from the Mount of Olives, the temple and the, the, the golden dome. On the other side of that is the Wailing Wall that they call the Western Wall. And then give me the next picture. And then this from the Mount of Olives is a shot all the way down to the Kindron Valley. And right here is where they took Jesus across this valley to Caiaphas' house to the dungeon that he spent the night in the, the day he was crucified, the, the night before he was crucified. So, so this, this valley here from the Mount of Olives, is this is where Jesus entered right here. Now there's things that... There's things, in, when you're in Jerusalem, you find out there's things, and, and, and I found in Jerusalem that Jews don't lie. They just don't. If something didn't happen here, they don't tell you that to make a buck. If something did happen and they know it, then this is where it's at. And this is the actual Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus stood looking at the, wall, the walls were different at that time. These were built, you know, after Jesus' time, or some of these were. So there's different, there's different sets of walls in Jerusalem based on different times because at different times the city was overtaken through the years, 
and, and walls were destroyed and then walls were put back up. And so, but this is where Jesus was and this is the direction that he was looking in this passage of Scripture. Put, put my first picture back up and just leave it there. Don't put the Scripture up just while I read the rest of this. Now, when he drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and and laid their clothes on them. And sent him on them, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried, saying, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So all the city was moved. There was, here was his triumphal entry, and everybody was excited that day. But from then on, from then on, and, and we're just going to look at several passages, and next Sunday we'll finish it on Easter Sunday. But from that point on was the beginning of the end that created your and I, your and my beginning. And Jesus' entry, when he came into Jerusalem, he didn't just come into Jerusalem after this place at, the, at this time at the Mount of Olives. You know, people were excited, who is this? People were throwing branches down and laying their clothes down. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Everybody's rejoicing, you know. Jesus could have gotten all caught up in that. He could have gotten all caught up in the fact that, you know, these people think I'm a great guy, you know, they don't really know what's going to happen, but they think I'm a great guy, so we'll just play along with the thing. He didn't. He came into the city, and he brought some really tough words. He brought some stuff that was really, really tough. But a verse of Scripture that we've looked at in the last few weeks probably the last couple of months, we've read this different times, is in Luke 15. And it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. The tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, but the religious people of the day complained about him. So, in his entry into Jerusalem, I believe that his words, the majority of his words, were to religious people of the day that had gotten stagnant and that really didn't realize what was fixing to happen. 
Something was fixing to happen that had never happened on planet Earth where somebody was going to be crucified, but that wasn't going to be the end. Somebody was going to be crucified, and it appeared to be the end of his life. It was actually the beginning of all humanity, even the people that lived before. (laughs) See, the Bible says, and we won't go into that today, but the Bible says that all those people to that point were in a holding tank. And they were waiting for this day for 4,000 years. When they left planet Earth, they went in a holding tank. And they were waiting for what happened at this period of time. And here Jesus is in the last week before his crucifixion. And he steps into this place of teaching and speaking truth. That now what you and I are created to do, we're created to Go and find people, as we've been challenging you this year, and find people and develop relationship and make a difference in their life. And really, the difference that we're to make in other people's lives is what is culminated in what Easter represents. This week, this Sunday, and this coming week, and this next Sunday, again, there's nothing holy about that. You, you, you can minister a, quote, Easter message any day of the year because all the rest of the year is about what happened at this time. Yes? And God is about people. God's not about organizations, and He's not about you, and He's not about me. He's about people. And when everything is centered around you and me, <clears throat> then you and me are not about other people. And God's not going to float down out of heaven and make sure that other people are saved, other people are going to get born again and their lives change because you and I are about them. Because I tell you today, I wouldn't be born again today if someone else hadn't been about me. That's right, and that's true. And that's what we need. Now, just for a moment, I want you to watch this little video. going to be full. It's always full. On Easter, it's always full. And it'll be the same in your church, I promise. It'll be full. It'll be full of people like me, full of people who haven't been to church in a while, full of people who think they might be critiqued or analyzed or judged unfairly, full of people who don't have God in their lives and aren't exactly sure how to get him back. But you know what, before I step in, I need you. I need you to do something that's probably a big deal for you. You're going to see me this week, and I need you not to walk past me, and I need you to work through your fear because I'm working through mine, and I just just need you to invite me in and if I act like I'm not interested in going to church with you still I need you to ask me to come 
I need you to help me see God. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I need you more than you know. Because look, at the end of the day, God said he loved me enough to die for me. I mean, that is the claim, right? And if he died and he didn't stay dead, your church is going to be full this Easter. Your church could be full this Easter of people just like me. Different face, different skin color, different age, sex, or social status. But make no mistake, I could be sitting right next to you. I just need you to invite me in, that's all. Nothing more, nothing less. And nothing complicated. And nothing driven by guilt. Just invite me in. I need you to. I really do. not hard. Life isn't hard. It's just, it demands consistency in the things that matter. And really, this is what Jesus was telling the people. I want you to look at Matthew 22 in Jesus' triumphal entry. And it goes with our little video here. And I'm not going to read all of this. I'm just going to talk about a couple of the things that he came into Jerusalem before his time. But one of them was he spoke to them in parables. And he kept saying, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is compared to these things. And I'm going to read in 22 and 1. And he spoke to them by parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. And again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all the things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. And when the king heard about it, he was furious and sent his armies to destroy those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to the servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding." So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king, the the wedding hall was filled with guests that they invited. Now, I was at a wedding last night, 
And uh, I, don't, I don't know really how to say this because I don't like to expose other people because, or, 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 or make it sound like when you're comparing yourself to other people, like you're comparing that what you are is better than someone else. But I was at a wedding last night, and uh, my, bro- my wife's younger brother got married, and, and uh, you know, when you marry, you marry the whole family, you know? And uh, when you marry someone who is a, I'll say it in a kind way, a northerner, you know, I won't call him a Yankee, you know. No. Anyway, I was trying to be kind to let it slip. But when you, when you marry a northerner, and that northerner marries a southerner, a Texan, um, there's a lot of difference. I mean, a lot of difference, like night and day difference. And, you know, People judge you by, most people judge by the cover. So if the cover is kind of nasty or like he talked about right there, he said, you know, go out into the highways and byways and invite them in. See, I used to think that, that all the rich people didn't want to come to the wedding, so they went and got all the poor people, you know. And that's not what it says. It just said the people that were invited didn't come. And the ones that they went and got are people that maybe the rest wouldn't have wanted to invite to the wedding. But God loves people both bad and good. And, and our minds are black and white where bad and good are concerned. You know, if you do this, then you're good. If you do this, then you're bad. You know, and many times it's all outward stuff that we do. If you do drugs, then you're bad. If you don't, then you're good, you know, which is, which is a bunch of garbage because what really makes a person bad is the condition of their heart. It's not what you do on the outside. The things on the outside that you do, if they are not, quote, good or legal or whatever it is, all that's got to do is the inside's got to change and then the outside will change, you see? And that's what Jesus is looking for here is, and, and that's what he came into Jerusalem was to try to shake up the religious people of the day and get them to realize, listen, I'm leaving here. Many of you don't even believe, believe that I'm who they said is coming, the Messiah, but, but I am, and then I'm leaving here, and when, as long as I've been here, amazing things have happened, but I want those same amazing things to continue to happen, and I want, you to, I want your focus to be on people, to go out on the highways and the byways and find those people and bring them in. That's what the story's about. And in the 25th chapter, we just, you know, there's several things in here that are talked about. But in chapter 25, I want to just look at this, in these first 13 verses, I want to look at this story. Because there, there are several things that you could get out of this story, but I want to get one point from this story that I think is so crucial. And the challenge that the video brought to you about inviting somebody, you invite somebody for next Sunday and they won't be let down because we've got something to say to them and we've got something to offer them. You invite people to our whole weekend and they won't be let down 
because we've got things to, inv- in, to, to offer people that come. And, and that's what the church around the planet was created to do for people. And in, in Matthew 25, then the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus in his last week, the kingdom of heaven should be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and wit, and they went to meet the bridegroom. Now, the five, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. So there were five brides that had oil in their lamps who were prepared and ready, and there were five that weren't. And the Bible compares us as brides, men and women alike. We are the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. And He has come. He he came to this earth to deliver all of us so that we could be in a place that we would have lamps that had oil in them so that our light could shine. And in Mark chapter 4, we look at this little story of lamps. Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower. And Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything else. If you don't understand seed time and harvest. And verse 21 says, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing which will not be revealed, nor has any be, anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to them, take heed what you hear, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has, should be taken away. That is definitely not politically correct for today. Hmm? In our society, if you have, then we need to take from you to give to those that don't have. But see, most of the time, people that don't have, it's because their thinking's off. Most people don't understand seed time and harvest time. And Jesus was saying about these ten virgins that there were five who had oil in their lamp, and the oil represents the anointing of God, and the anointing of God comes from the seed of His Word that gets planted inside of us. And when the seed of the Word gets planted inside of you, what happens is you you transform like a genie from a bottle into a lamp. And on the lamp, a lamp stand, and on the lamp stand is the lamp that you're created to be to shine a light that other people can see. That's right. You don't have to preach to people. You don't have to hammer people. You go find people. And you know what? The God inside of you will just say things to you. I don't know how he does it. He doesn't speak in an audible voice. He just says, you know what? Just be a friend of that guy. 
Just be nice to this person. Just get out of yourself. I'm telling you that most of your problems, most of the things that you face, you face because you're focused on yourself. That's about as strong as I'll get today. I'm telling you that most of what you face that troubles you is because you're focused on yourself. You're thinking about your problems too much. And if you get out of yourself and start thinking about the good of others, when, and, and what I'm trying to say about the wedding that I just came out of, there was a whole group of northerners that think totally different than the way we think. And the tendency is to, you know, it was an outside wedding, you know, one of, the, one of those wedding chapel venues, you know, house bought and, you know, hot and sweaty and things, you know, one of those kind of deals. And, and, and I love those. Because when we come there, everybody's sitting around, you know, and half the group is drinking and the other, I mean, alcohol and the other half isn't, you know, and so, so who knows what the non-drinking bunch or the drinking bunch said about the non-drinking bunch, you know, that don't drink and, and, and they're all judging you and, you know, I mean, there's all this stuff, you know, so you walk up and here's the northerners at their tables and here's the southerners at theirs, yippee-yay-yay. You know, so we're going to go through the wedding and we're going to, they're going to get married and, 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 you know, it's going to be this separated family world. No. See, I was created for times like this. See, I, I mean, everybody else was too. And whether you do it or not, it does, I, I can't, I can't do anything for you, but I was, man, I, I stepped into that. I could feel the pressure. See, so Anytime I feel the pressure like that, I'm just going to walk right into the northerners group, you know, with my confederate hat. No, 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 no I'm not. A, I'm just teasing. So I'm going to walk right into the group, you know, and, and the first group I came to, there's about 12 of them. And, and I spent about maybe 20 minutes there introducing myself, finding out, you know, and you, you kind of joke with them. So why are you here? You know, meaning who you related to and how are you related and all this kind of thing. And, and that's all I did all night. And, and all my family from out of town was there, but I spent very little time with them because I spent all my time connecting with the northerners. And, you know, I mean, hey, we, we all been in these places, or a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people been in this place. And, you know, when you, ha when you had had a few and then a few more and a few and a few more and a few and a few more I mean man it's just a good time you know and all of a sudden you become the greatest guy on the planet to them man yeah hey, my buddy Bert here yeah 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 and I just yeah I just join in with them you know man it's it's cool but but but, but listen it's not about whether you get like that or you don't see because maybe in the wedding story, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they were going to have alcohol and so the rest of them didn't come or some stupid thing like that. Who knows? Why didn't, why didn't all the invited guests not show? I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. You could, we could sit here and say, well, maybe, yeah, but it doesn't matter. They just didn't show. And by the end of the night... By the end of the night, when they were toasting, you know, the bride and groom, 
when they, while they were toasting the bride and groom, the best man talked about how the two families connected that night. And why? Because you got to set the tone. Well, Pastor, you think it's because of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it, you know, and then everybody followed. Now, maybe there was somebody over there doing it before I did. Who cares? I just did it, and everybody followed. You understand? So what will that do to people's lives? What will it do that, that people felt accepted? How many people in their life have come into their life as, quote, Christians that didn't accept them, and maybe some of the things that they do, some of the real extreme things that they do are to get the attention and watch Christians overreact. Huh? I mean, how many times in a, in a story can you use the F word and, you know, I mean, to make your point? But by the end of the night, some of those guys... When you're not moved by that, and you don't freak out because, you know, you used to be one of those guys too, but they don't know that because all the stories they heard that, you know, what well, he's a preacher, and then he's a this, and well, you don't know, and so, man, we got to learn how to connect with people. We got to go out and get them in the highways and the byways, which could be under a street, uh, under an overpass, or it could be, you know, in a bank, or it could be in some corporation, or wherever it is. The, the good and the bad is not the poor and the rich. The good and the bad is the stinking thinking versus good thinking. And we want everybody, you see? But we don't want to discount somebody because of their actions. And we got to become the church. And just because you don't, because what, what, the reason the sinners like Jesus is because he didn't discount them for their actions. That doesn't mean that in the church we just condone everything. We have standards, but you don't, you don't lead people to God through standards. You lead people to God, as we talked about last Wednesday night, through what true repentance is, and the kindness of God is what leads somebody to want to change. You'll never lead people. All week long, this is the point Jesus was trying to make. you got to have oil in your lamps through the anointing of the Word that empowers you to be a lamp, uh, to be a, a, a light, a candle on a lampstand that is shining. And when people see it, they're drawn to it. They're drawn to your life. Why? Because of your kindness, your goodness, and who you are. That's why they wanted to be around him. The religious people couldn't stand him. Why? Because he convicted them. And the people in the world, they loved him. Why? Because he was giving them some answers to their issues. There's nothing wrong with having issues. And you know it. And someone hammering you because of your issue. But then, you got the issue, but somebody's giving you the way out of the issue? Man, there's nothing like it. 35 years I've been saved and born again, and I've been getting answers for 35 years about how to get out of stuff I've been in. 35 years. And the more you get the answer of how to get free, then you don't have to stay that way. See, 
Your rudeness, everybody in here is rude. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Yep, 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 yep. Everybody in here is rude at one time or another. I know because I know every one of you. No. (laughs) Everybody is rude. Well, how do you quit being rude? (laughs) The seed of the word creates a stirring of that anointing and that oil on the inside that empowers you in a given situation to choose not to be rude. And the more you choose, the more you choose. And it's the same way with the other way. The more you choose to be rude, the, more, the easier it is to be rude. The more you choose to do what's right because of the empowerment on the inside, it's not by your might and your power, but by His Spirit that leads you and empowers you to do the things that are right. Everybody has been rude in this place. But the Bible says that love, the love of God, the love that God is, is not rude. It's kind and it's patient and all that. The love is. But not you and I when we're not working on these things. You understand? And this is what Jesus came into the city to prepare the people before he left. He said, you've got to, I'm challenging you because what happens, what happens is if you stay one of the five foolish, he called them foolish virgins, if you stay one of those, then what's going to happen along the way is there's going to be no empowerment to be able to overcome what it is that you face. And everybody faces stuff. In fact, every one of us face the same thing. Why not choose to have the power to overcome so we can change the ugliness that we have at times within ourselves? Huh? I mean, you, you get around people. I mean, I, I've said this before. Well, you know, I love family, but, you know, just only be around them so much. Well, what do they say about you? <laughs> what do they say about when you come to the wedding? <laughs> oh, crap. Here he comes. Man, I want them to, I want people to leave when I come to a gathering and say, man, I really like that guy. I like, what is it about that? I like that guy. I mean, wouldn't you rather somebody say that about you than to say, you know, what a... You know, pick up the F word after you leave, you know, about you. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? No, let's, let's be those people. This whole thing about the kingdom of God is just about people. That's all it's ever been. It's all it will ever be. This, this whole week, and the reason it's, we do what we do all week long here and, and the whole weekend is because of people. And we want people to come and just experience the presence. Because the anointing, the oil that's in their lamps, is an anointing that is in their life. And people need to come to experience the presence. You know? And it can come because... Somebody brings their little kids and you have a petting zoo and they just got all over that. And, or they come and, and, and you have an Easter egg hunt and they leave with more than two eggs. You know, that's why you, that's why you go to the store and buy the eggs and fill them up with candy or who, I don't know how you guys are doing that, but whatever. You know, do whatever they tell you to do. But that's why you bring them so that the kids come and they don't leave with just two eggs. Hmm? I mean, I got a story of an Easter egg hunt a couple years back. It doesn't matter where it was or what anything else, but, you know, 
Somebody says, well, you know, we're not going back to that one because all my kids left with one or two eggs. We don't want the kids to leave with one or two eggs. So if it takes the kid leaving, you know, with a trash bag full and he's jerking it out of the place, if it takes that to get him back to the church and buy the eggs, duh! Right? We don't buy the eggs just to buy the eggs and we don't stand it. Well, you only got two and you went, ah, I hate that stuff. We got to be over and above. And we got to be generous with these things and see it as the seed that you're sowing that's causing your lampstand to have that light that shines and it affects people. The more gracious and generous you are, the more that people will be drawn. And then if you got the goods, then you got something to give them. Listen, folks, that's what the Great Commission was. And if we spend all our time doing everything else except the thing that he commanded us to do, then what the crud are we doing? Forget it. It's not about building this thing or that thing or building this or looking or being or all this. It's about people. And we go out on the highways and byways and do what? See if we can find one? No, we go find them. We go out, leave the 99 and go after the one and we find the one and we develop a relationship with the one and we lead them to who? Us? No, to God. That's why we got to be filled up with God. So you lead them to God, not your rude personality come to our church and we'll show you how to be rude (laughs) well we ain't seen you here before we don't know if we like you or not huh and listen everybody that comes in is going to be rude some people come in and Jessica will be in the back there and would you like to sit up here? No, I'm going to sit back here. Would you like to sit a little? No, I'm going to. Okay, okay. So, you know what? We, we, we work with them, but we don't want them to leave and be offended at, at whatever. We're just trying to teach people that we need people up front because I, I need to see your face instead of, who's back? You know what I'm saying? So when it fills up, then we'll, we'll add more chairs and we'll do all that. But that's why they do those kind of things. But see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're going to be a, we're going to be a, what would a strife sign be? <laughs> we're strife free here. You understand? That's what I'm trying to say. Strife free because where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. How, how much? Every. Everybody say every. When you allow con- strife and division... You allow confusion and every evil work of the enemy. So that doesn't do any good. So you may have proved your dang point. And you may have overworked somebody and, and put him in a lock and, and a chokehold. You're going to do it this way. For what? Not going to accomplish a thing. Right? Nothing. Because we're after people. That's right. Now, there may be a day down the road when you got to put him in a chokehold, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but not in the first, you know, at least in the first two weeks. Right? Understood? We got to love people. And we got to go for people. And no matter what, we got to win people. And if people get offended, there's nothing we can do about it. If we do what we do 
if we, we're motivated by love and we've got our lamps filled up and we're not doing things out of spite and we're doing what we're supposed to do, like what someone would do in seating people, and if people get offended, nothing we can do, right? Can't make people do that. But we can go after people and set an environment that people want to live in and exist in so that they can get free. That's what you do. You set the environment, and when you've got the goods, then they'll be free. And who the sun sets free, they become free. Amen? That's what the Word does. That's why you center what you do around the revelation of the Word. That's why you do it. Amen? Let me end with this. And, and you go back and read this, but from 14 on in Matthew 25, <clears throat> again Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Listen to me. Jesus, the whole week, the whole week before he was crucified, told the people about the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus was the manifestation of heaven on earth. And so he spent all week telling them about how the kingdom operates. And if you notice, he didn't have a lot of time. So he had to get right to the point and not explain himself about every little thing. And he made some real direct points, but I, wanna, I just want to end with this and, to, and, and remind you of this. This is the parable of the talents. You go back and read it. He gave five, and he gave two, and he gave one, and the five did something with it, the two did something with it, the one didn't know, didn't know God, so he did something stupid. And, uh, but his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, which that's not true, and gather where I have not scattered, which is not true. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest." Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Wow. Why not give it to the guy with just four? For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. You Remember what I just read in Mark 4? To him who has shall more be given, but to him who doesn't have, even what he has is going to be taken away. And in that passage in Mark 4, just if you're taking notes, remember this. In the passage in Mark 4, in the verse 24, I think it is, he said, and this is the amplified translation, he said, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue that comes back to you. The measure of thought and study, the measure of time spent in the truth that you hear. I'm telling you some things today that you need to spend some time thinking about because it's got to become a part of you. Because the guy with the one talent thought God was one way when God was another way. Now watch, watch what happened to the guy. For to everyone who has, more will be given, but to, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable, no good piece of trash into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's what's going to happen to you. No. Listen, but listen to me. Here, here's the thing. Here's the deal. And listen. I mean, I'm, I'm talking today to smart people. I know you people. Most of you that are here, I know you. 
And I consider you smart people, you're smart business owners, you, you understand things, okay? And here's the thing. We could spend for six weeks, we could do a series on weeping and gnashing of teeth and being cast into outer darkness. Or we could continue to teach the word and teach you how to be a 10 guy and a four guy. And if you're a 10 and a 4, you don't need to be concerned about what happens to the 1. Am I I telling you the truth? You know, I have a hard time teaching because we can go into all that, and there is truth, and it's all backed up in Scripture, but I have a hard time going there because I'm not a 1 guy. I'm somewhere between 4 and 10. And getting towards the 10 all the time. And you know what the deal is with the talents? It's not whether you're a tap dancer or whatever. You you don't have to go and and learn how to tap dance or how to boot scoot or, you know, I mean, do whatever. You You don't have to have talent. You're not talking about that. It's what you do with what you have. What do you do with the truth that you hear? The, the thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be what will come back to you. If you just listen to messages like this and you do nothing with it, listen, it's not how eloquent I teach it, okay? Because we could just play sermons from other people that are probably more eloquent than I am in teaching. I, I, and I don't that's great. But ain't nobody, not anybody, that is, that, I'm, that I am, that I look you know, I'm under where the, where the revelation is concerned. I'm teaching you from things that I know work, and it'll work for you. And we just have to become these people that do with what we hear. And we spend time in what we hear, it begins to change us, and now we become a guy with two talents or, or two amounts of revelation from God, and man, it increases to three and to four. You've got to position yourself to hear and then do something with what you hear. I'm telling you, the stuff with God is just simple. So we don't have to do whole six-week series on weeping and gnashing of teeth and being cast into outer darkness. God didn't create outer darkness for you. He created you to live in the light and in the power, you just have to do something with that. And you know what? If you don't, and you choose to turn your back on God, and you move in another direction, there's stuff out there. There's judgments that have already been set up. You go kill somebody, it's already set up. There are, there are repercussions for what happens if you choose to take a gun that you're mad at somebody and you blow their brains out. But there are results to people that won't do anything with the word that they hear. Amen? And that's what Jesus was telling the people because he was leaving. And it said in one passage that he, he wept over Jerusalem and the people. He wept over them because he felt like they weren't getting it. God just wants you not to get it. Say it. I get it. Come on. Amen? We've got nothing else to do but get it. You're not too busy to get it. Huh? And you just begin to see yourself like my barbecue team. We're in it to win it. 
We're in it to win it. Number one on the brisket and number one on the tilapia. <laughs> right? So we're in this life to win. I, I, I'm leaving you with this thought today. You cannot lose for winning. You stay connected to God and you just develop this thing called relationship with a God you can't see and can't hear with, with, your, with, you know, with natural ears. You can't hear him with natural ears unless he chooses to speak to you that way. But that's not the norm. That's not the way he set it up. You can't see him. You can't hear him. And I can't give you an absolute uh, stamp of approval that he is real. You have to believe the word. I can tell you that my stamp of approval is more real because of what he's done in my life, and I'm telling you he's real, but you've got to find it out for yourself. You understand? You and I have to find these things out ourselves. And when we do, then we're good for other people. And we're there to be a blessing and allow the truth to flow. And so when you go to weddings, or some of your family members get married to northerners, Man, you realize we're all created in the image of God. Huh? All of us. We're created in the image of God. There's only two ways of people. And they really form into one. And it's the saved and unsaved. But God created all. None to perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Wow. Man. And he chose to use you and I to make sure it happens. So remember the video. There's a guy out there, there's a girl out there that needs you. And they need this place. And you need to invite them this week. And like you said, you know, you might be a little nervous. You may, you know, I don't know what to say to people or whatever. You know, you just may need to smile at somebody. Don't smile at the wrong person, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <clears throat> you may just need to smile at somebody. You may just need to buy somebody a coffee. And you were just standing behind them at Starbucks. Or buy back. Drive into Starbucks line and say, I want to pay for the car behind me. Well, how, how would they come up here? I don't know. That just may be what God wants you to do. They may chase you down. Why would you buy me that coffee? I want you to come to third day at the gates. No. <laughs> now, God, you know, I just, I just had this. Imp you, know, you don't have to go into this religious thing. Well, God told me. No. Just say you know, I, I don't know. I just, you know, do the same for someone else. 